podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a, uh, well, an Iowa State game where I am surprisingly more upbeat than I was expecting to be uh, after the game actually happened. So uh, to help me do that, I have joining me my usual Monday recap cohort, uh, Mike Plank, the editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing all right, Andy. Uh, I'm still a little sad, but, um, you know, not unexpectedly, I suppose. I'll say I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a lot less sad than I was expecting to be. Um, you know, <laughs> actually, I, I was able to go to the game. Thank you for the tickets. Um, <laughs> appreciate being able to use your tickets to go to the game for the first time in quite a while. And uh, Absolutely. actually bringing uh i'm actually going to bring back where we're recording this monday night and i had intended on posting this monday during the day but since my my company is gracious enough to let us off for election day um which is absolutely phenomenal i'm going to take advantage of that i'm going to post something that you have done previously the view from section 10 um which is (laughs) there you go watch it from i went i made sure i took my phone i did my notes and uh i did my twitter like kind of recap there because i didn't have very good internet connection to be able to do it live while I was actually at the game. And let's, let's, let's be honest. I actually wanted to watch the game. So um, I will be getting that up. There was a lot more positive notes in there than I was expecting to have going into the game. Um, But let's jump right actually into, to some of those positive things. Um, If, you know, if you're pulling a positive out of this game, what, what is the biggest positive thing for you? Um, Because I'm assuming that you watch the game or at least watch, watch some highlights from the game or something. Um, yeah, no, I, I just wasn't – yeah, no, I just wasn't in town. I definitely watched the game on, on TV. Um, I, I, the good, I mean, we saw some good, and people have been saying this for a couple of weeks, but I, I guess maybe I should say I finally saw some good um, out of Jalen Daniels. Um, he made some, some good throws. He's starting to make better decisions. Um, he had a couple of impressive runs or scrambles, I guess, is probably a more accurate uh, term. Uh, but uh, like that fourth and – something like fourth and 15 or something like that, the, the pass to Luke Grimm was just – I mean, that was a great play. Um, Phenomenal. By Jay Leonard. It was, it was a great read. Um, so I'm, we're starting to see some improvement there after well, – that, that was his second or third game as a starter, I think. So um, third game maybe. But, uh, so yeah, I, I think that Jalen Daniels is progressing throughout the season, which is something that, you know, we wanted to see. Um, and I think we're starting to see a little bit of that. Uh, I mean, obviously the offense still went three and out about half the time, um, which is, you know, not going to win you very many games in, in Big 12. But, um, uh, but, but I, think they're, I, I think they may have something to quarterback. And I, I think I'm finally starting to see what everybody else was saying that they saw, you know, two weeks ago when he played uh, – or I guess it was longer than two weeks ago – when he played Baylor and – and whatever his other game was, but um, I mean, he's, he's definitely got the arm strength, um, and, and and we are. I mean, he literally turned 18 last week, so um, you know, there's there as the uh, the commentators, uh, which you would have missed on this one, Andy. The commentators reminded us about 14 times during the game, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah about- I, I was really impressed by Jalen, and and I thought, uh, I you know, I I thought he showed some improvement. Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny because in the in the actual preview, I did the the Q and A with Wide Right Natty Light, and you know they had asked yeah, me like, that. "What's one thing that we didn't know about you know Jalen Daniels that Iowa State fans are going to know?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, 
did you know that Jalen Daniels is only 17? So, which at the time that I answered the questions, he was only 17. Like we needed to know that right. apparently 11 times in the you know prior game. And it sounds like they continued that theme moving forward. Like I, I get yeah. the feeling that in, you know, three years, we're going to, that's going to be like the, you know, did you know that Jalen Daniels was only 17 when he came to Kansas? Like, <laughs> right. The, the running joke. Did you know Jeff Whitney played volleyball before he played? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Jeff Whitney vo- volleyball things. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, but no. Yeah. Well, it, you know, well while- and to be fair, it was the same announcing crew from the K State game. So I'm sure that's why they went back to it because. Uh, uh, yeah, because apparently you know, it works. They're so familiar with so yeah, <laughs> the first time, uh, boy. But yeah, I mean, you know, watching it live, it was definitely a different experience watching it live than opposed to to watching it on the screen because you could tell, like, even just from where we were, because because we were behind the play quite a bit, um, you could actually see him like looking side to side, recognizing something, like actually pointing things out prior, and, and like I actually watched him in the huddle like uh, as as much as you possibly could but it seemed like he was directing guys like letting guys know what he was doing like he seemed to be more in control of what was going on than I really expected him um for a freshman at this point so you know it was it was really encouraging to see that he he definitely seems to be grasping what's going on a whole lot more than he potentially was previously um it's it's pretty clear that I think Brent Deerman is now confident enough in this offensive line that they can open up the playbook a little bit more for him to give him some more options, some more things to do. Um, and so like, yeah, it, I mean, obviously the results weren't the greatest, but we saw some progress, which is really all we expected at this point. And honestly, I was a little surprised given the fact that, that Oppie main and Adagio Lepetti were out last week. Um, you know, it looks like that's it's actually the news was coming out from Scott Chasen earlier today that, uh, it appears that that was contact, contact tracing related, um, that yeah. they were out. And, and they'll be out again like, next week too. Right. So they'll be out again against Oklahoma. But the fact that you saw the offensive line take a step forward when you have so many freshmen and redshirt freshmen, you know, that are involved with that, like that, that tells me a couple different things that one, they're still an extremely young team that are starting to make strides as they go. And, you know, that, that gives you hope that they're going to continue to improve as the year goes along. Obviously the question is going to be, is it going to be enough for them to be competitive in one of their final games of the season or not? Obviously, that's still a big question mark, but it at least opens up the possibility that that might happen. Um, yeah. You know, the other the other thing, too, is like I was actually talking about this earlier this week. Um, you know, what we've seen here and Scott Chasen, again, pointed this out on Twitter shortly after the game. Most of the key contributors from this game, you know, uh, Luke Grimm, Jalen Daniels, Kenny Logan Jr., who we'll get to in a minute because, oh, my gosh, um, you know, they're all redshirt freshmen, sophomores or true freshmen guys that are going to be with this program for at least another two to three years. Um, whereas yeah. in the past, like Carter Stanley really contributed a whole bunch when he was a senior, like the, the, the flashes that we've seen from guys in the last four or five years have been guys that are seniors or, you know, juniors that are on their way out. And so what we now have at this point is the opportunity for a large group of playmakers that are going to have an impact on how this team is going to look going forward actually having time to make a substantial change to the trajectory of the program. Obviously there's still a lot that has to be worked out for that to actually happen, but there's at least now hope that we can change the trajectory and it can sustain long enough because we're going to have guys that are here long enough that if it holds, no, if it takes, it will actually follow through and that we'll actually see some sort of long lasting improvement. Um, Obviously it's still open and kind of up in the air 
where that finally gets to and whether they can continue to build on that with additional recruiting classes. And like, there's still a long way to go for this, but we're at least now starting to see hope at a, at a time and point with a roster that will have time to grow into itself as opposed to getting cut off at the knees with all the successful pieces leaving almost immediately after. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, I don't have any problems uh, saying something like that. Um, I think you also kind of have to put a, maybe a little bit of an asterisk on that because uh, I mean, the schedule only gets harder from here. You know, we have uh, Oklahoma next week and uh, is, is it Texas? Maybe the week after that, I don't have a schedule in front of Texas me, but uh, we haven't played Oklahoma or Texas yet. Uh, so yeah, Oklahoma, yeah, Texas, TCU, and then the season finale against Texas Tech. Which I mean, if if they can show anything in one of their next three games, you know, maybe you can talk yourself into thinking they can do something against uh, Texas Tech, who's just been ugh this year. But uh, well, I, I mean, yeah, who knows? Looking around the rest of the conference, TCU they had a explosion against Baylor, but I think that said a whole lot more about Baylor than TCU. TCU's had their own problems yeah, offensively yeah. all year long. Um, and so, like, Absolutely. there's at least theoretically an opportunity for them to do something against TCU and Texas Tech. I'm not sure if, they, you know, if I'm ready to say that they have a legitimate shot to potentially win those games, but they have a legitimate shot to at least make those competitive and more competitive than some of the games that they've had here. And, like, I, I'm not expecting them to keep it competitive past maybe the first 10 minutes against Oklahoma, and that's mainly because, you know, if they get the ball first. <laughs> but, uh, but it's also kind of one of those things like Texas – yeah, they had that big win against Oklahoma State, but if you look at the way that they did it this last week, it took four turnovers from Oklahoma State and some very, very questionable, you know, calls from the referees that all went in their favor, you know, in quick succession for them to be able to pull off that win against Oklahoma State. I, yeah, it looked, you know, it's a good win for them. It might end up saving Tom Herman's job if he doesn't fall flat on his face, but it's also one of those things like I still see Texas as a, as a team that is kind of vulnerable and, you know, on the brink of either taking a big step forward or taking a big step back. And I'm B. So again, I've been saying, I've been pounding it all year that I think that Kansas has a chance to do to do to Texas what they did, you know, to get Charlie Strong out of there. And so like, I'm not going to give that up until it's pretty clear that that's not going to happen, which is probably <laughs> going to be you know, five minutes left in the game. But, um, you know, it, I mean, it's, no, it's I, just I one of those things. Say, right. Right. Yeah, like, no, I was going to say, say, say Charlie Strong's job until they play Kansas. Right. Say that again. I was, I was just going to say that it saves Charlie, uh, not Charlie Strong, Tom Herman's job until uh, until they play Kansas, right? Oh no, right, right, exactly. Well, because if you remember the year that, <laughs> that Charlie Strong got fired, like he had a a pretty big win that they thought was going to get him extended or you know save his job, and then they came and lost to Kansas, and like uh, at that point it was just like no, we're done. There's absolutely no way. So there's still hope for those people that want Tom Herman out, <laughs> but yeah. Um, it's 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 one of those things we are we are very very clearly seeing signs of a Kansas team that is starting to improve and mainly an offensive line that is starting to improve starting to kind of understand what they're doing and a quarterback who's able to read the pressure well enough to turn absolutely nothing at times into the possibility of something I'm not even going to say he's turning nothing into something he's turning turning into the possibility that he could potentially do something (laughs) and so like you're seeing hope, you're seeing the fact that Brent Deerman now actually has something to potentially work with, um, and so like you know this this year so far had been in terms of the way that I've been grading it an incomplete because you have a such a young offensive line that's been dealing with so many problems. It's really hard to evaluate anybody on the offense if the offense can never get going because you know a 
a fundamental part of the offense isn't allowing anything else to happen. And that's what we've seen all year long. So now I think from this point forward, we can really start to grade and really start to kind of see what these guys can do and look and see, you know, start to actually evaluate guys. So any other final thoughts about the offense or, or anything like that before we flip over the defense? No, let's keep it going. All right. Before we do that, because it's still going to be a fairly short recap episode, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. And we're back. All right. So, obviously, I think the big star of this game, Kenny Logan Jr., uh, he had one interception late in the game to really kind of give them an opportunity. Like, at that point, it was a 16-point game. He got an interception. They had an opportunity if they could get the offense doing something to go ahead and actually run down and, and potentially make it competitive with like seven and a half minutes left in the game. But his big, his big highlight was the 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, making two Iowa State guys completely whiff and run into each other, which I thought was absolutely hilarious because he was doing that like <laughs> coming right directly at me. So I was absolutely, you know, I really enjoyed that one. Um, you know, so, so really, I guess, though, my question here is, what, what exactly did you see from Kenny Logan? junior like were you expecting anything like this from any particular guys and like if you had to pick one guy that was going to break out in a game like this is is that who you would have thought it would have been i mean i think it i I don't know if i would believe anybody if they say that they (laughs) they picked this game for kenny logan to break out uh but no he did have a good game Uh, the interception was was a great play i mean he read the ball and and he uh, you know, jumped up there and, and snagged it. And I think he even got a few yards on the return, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then, so I, like I said, I was watching the game on TV. And when, when he caught that kickoff return and started going forward, I said, no, don't take it out. What are you doing? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I did the exact same thing. I'm like, why are we taking this out? We need to just, you know, get ourselves set up. And then he made the first guy miss and then the second guy miss. Yeah. And then when he squeezed, between the two guys, I'm like, oh my gosh, that, like that was the perfect no, 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 yes, yes, yes moment. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly it what it was. Because I mean, his, he was going backwards when he caught the ball. His momentum wasn't going forward, you know. And he's a hundred, or you know, he's four yards back in the end zone, and you're just like, no, you're gonna get. And I mean, he should have gone down and probably around the ten or twelve yard line, but like you said, he made those guys run into each other. And, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you know, I ten think ten seconds I later, think- it was a thirteen point game. Like, to be honest, looking at it, I think he caught it close enough to the goal line that he wasn't 100% certain if he was, if he actually had been, like, if he had caught it in front of and then went back into the, to the end zone or not. And so, like, I almost think that he brought that out because he thought he had to, even though, you know, it, it, he definitely was in the end zone when he caught it. Um, and so, like, well, but you can, you can well, take a knee inside the 25 now, right? And still get it at the 25? Oh, that's or is right. it only a fair catch? I, I, yeah, no, I I completely forgot about that. That I I forgot that they can do that. Um, well, yeah, you know what? I, I I don't know if that's only the fair catch or not, but still, yeah, I don't like, know. Yeah, that's, I don't know either. Option. But anyway, yeah, you know, it, I mean, it was one of those things. Now, I I will say, Scott Chasen and I talked in the uh, in the season preview, you know, in terms of guys that we were looking at that could potentially, you know, really kind of turn it on, and at some point in the season, start to take a step forward, might be a breakout performer. He, he definitely picked Kenny Logan Jr. I, I, you know, he actually called that one, and I had agreed with him at the time. I thought Prunty was going to be the first guy to break out. So, like, the two guys that we identified coming into the season as potential guys that we might see steps forward have definitely shown that they seem to be guys that will be 
building blocks for this defense moving forward. I don't think either of us really expected them, though, to come on as strong as they have at this point. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those, like, I could see them continue to build on this. I'm not really sure what to say moving on from here, though, because, you know, they, I mean, yeah, they, they played pretty well in this one, but I also wonder how much of that is Iowa State, who has been dealing with some issues with their offense plateauing, um, you know, all year long. Obviously, coming up against Oklahoma, like anyone who expects them to have a good showing against Oklahoma, I'm sorry to tell you, that's not going to happen, especially after what Oklahoma did to Texas Tech, <laughs> you, you yeah. know, on Saturday. But, you know, there's definitely like, you definitely can't read too much into this next game because it's, it's definitely going to be a step back just because of what Oklahoma is and how well they're playing right now. But there's definitely building blocks. The one, the one problem that I do see, news came out recently. Drew Prox has opted out for the rest of the season. Um, we continue to see guys on this Kansas roster that are opting out. I don't know how much of this is COVID-related, how much is some other things going on. The way that Les Miles described it in his press conference was that, you know, Drew Prox had some personal things he needed to attend to, that they're really hoping that he'll come back. They'll welcome him back if he does, but he's definitely not coming back the rest of this season. They've been without him for the last few games and have been playing okay. And they seem to be getting a little bit stronger as they go. Um, you know, they had some they had some guys. I, I believe the guys. I completely forgot what is his name is. Is it Hancock or someone like that that filled in? Um, oh gosh, I feel really bad now because we were talking about the guy when he uh, you know he made a few plays. I was talking with some of the guys that were around me. You know, we were like, well, wait, who the heck is that? Like, <laughs> and it's like, oh wait, he would have been playing for Drew Prox. Or he he would have been or he he's playing because Drew Prox isn't in there and you know oh, Feaster Nick, was was Nick out. Channel? Uh, I don't think it was Channel, but but I, yeah. I, I mean he was probably one of the guys that was in. I, I'm sure I'll find it at some point and we can definitely shout him out um, at that point. But you know I mean it was one of those. Gosh, I mean it, it, you know it was just it's one of those. They have guys that are continuing to step up, that are continuing to plug holes, and while it's nothing phenomenal, it's nothing that's going to make national guys take note. The fact that they're getting young guys to step up in these in these cases and it's not just completely falling apart is telling me that even though it's you know going to be rough sledding for a little while here longer, they have guys that are learning really well in practice that are really doing what they need to do. And I don't know, you know, how much of this is on DJ Elliott, how much of this is on the rest of the defensive coaching staff. But this defensive coaching staff has done a phenomenal job with this team this year and getting these guys to develop and really kind of turning them into a big 12 caliber defense. And they just need the rest of the team to kind of come along so that they're not trying to do everything by themselves for long portions of the game. Yeah, I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, well, you know, when you're talking about, you don't know if it's the defensive coordinator or, or, or what it is. I, I don't know either, man. Um, I, I just I, I don't even have words. I don't know what to tell you about that. Yeah, no, I know. I, I understand completely. Again, like we don't have enough insight, obviously, into what's going on. And, it, you know, even the media is having problems now with all the COVID stuff um, to get as much access as I normally would. But it definitely it definitely seems like something's going on there that they're really kind of starting to get things turned around. And again, who knows how long it's actually going to take, but it, it definitely gives you reason for optimism moving forward. Um, you know, as long as you kind of temper that to make sure that you're not too optimistic, you know, <laughs> then then we can actually enjoy the rest of this year, you know, even knowing that, you know, 0-10 is a very real possibility here, 
but it's not going to be an 0-10 where everything completely falls apart going into the end of the year. There, there could definitely be some, some things to look forward to. So, all right, Mike, any other final thoughts about this? Happy that the special teams was an ap- wasn't an absolute disaster? It, it was not an absolute disaster. That's, that's accurate. Um, I mean, obviously they had the, the kickoff return for the touchdown. Uh, they did miss, a, what, a 30, 33-yard field goal, something like that. But, again, it was from the hash. It was into a pretty stiff breeze. I mean, that's a tough kick, you know, especially for a college kicker. So I'm not going to hammer them too hard on that. But, uh, yeah, but yeah it was of, not a total disaster, and, and that's improvement. Yeah, well, and, and kind of talking about that kick, you know, I, I realized when they went for it on that fourth that they were, they were worried about the kicking game. And at first I thought it had something to do with the actual kicker himself. But then I also kind of thought back, Iowa State going that direction all game long was drop kicking on their kickoffs. Like they were not, they were doing everything they possibly could to not kick it up and high because the wind was flowing so steadily, you know, from the south of the field, uh, you know, in that direction. And so it was, it was really, really difficult, I think, for any kickers going that direction. And Kansas really just kind of wanted to try to get points at the end of the half to try to build some momentum going into half. And obviously it didn't work. Um, but, you know, they still moved the ball really well on that drive and just weren't able to finish it the way they would have liked to. So, again, a bunch of positive signs moving forward. Just really the question, you know, at this point is how much are we going to see and how long is it going to take to get there? So um, last bit of news yeah. I wanted to talk about. Kansas did lose another recruit. Uh, they lost a wide receiver uh, out of Alabama, I believe. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Uh, he's been committed yeah. for over J- a year to the Jayhawks. Yeah, Jedi Henry, does that sound right? Yes. Yep. That would be him. You know, it's one of those, unfortunately, like you don't, you don't like to see anyone else decommit. Um, I will note though, like it's one of those things where, you know, he, when he committed, I'm pretty sure that he was like the, the 91st receiver or something nationwide. He's dropped down to like 127th or something like that. So like his, his recruiting rankings have kind of gone down a little bit. I'm not saying that they decided to move on, but I'm almost wondering if, you know, as he started to show signs of maybe not being quite as committed that they weren't necessarily as highly motivated to keep him. Um, again, I, I don't have any special insight into that, but it's also kind of one of those things where they've got a lot of wide receivers. I don't know how many more they absolutely needed. You never want to see talented guys go, but I, I do have enough, um, you know, I do have enough uh, confidence in this coaching staff to be able to pull a recruiting class together. That's still going to be a very good recruiting class. Um, and, and I'm not so sure that this, you know, this, this recruit is at a, a high enough level that they can't get someone comparable to replace them in the class. Well, and like you said, they have a ton of receivers already. I think they have right uh, a couple more. Let me see. Four in the class One, last two, I saw. And they've got tons uh, of young receivers on the three, roster already. Yeah. Yeah, and they've got three more receivers already committed, um, plus a couple of athletes who may end up a receiver. You never know. So, yeah, it may just be yeah. a numbers game. They may have moved on from him. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall and decommitted. Maybe he just, you know, got some more offers and wanted to go somewhere else. You know, we don't know. We're just guessing. Uh, and we have to remember, you know, this. You know, he's a what, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old kid. You know, he's. They're allowed to change their minds. That's that's their prerogative. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's he's a he was a three star receiver from from Alabama. Uh, he I think he was one of our earliest commits in this class too, if I'm not mistaken. He was. But, um, uh, I believe he but, was. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he he he's decommitted, and and like you said, we we've, we've got a ton of young receivers. By the way, we had a big receiver class this last year. 
four or five receivers yep. in that, plus three others already committed. Maybe he just thought it was a numbers game and thought, you know, I better see if there's something else out there, somebody else out there that wants me. I don't know. That would be my guess. Yeah. All right. So final question for you. What are you looking for from this team? Um, either going into this week or going into the bye. I mean, obviously, I don't think there's much expectations for this Oklahoma game. Um, but so in the next couple of weeks, as we get ready for this Texas game, what are you looking for this team? Like, what are they going to be able to show you that's going to make you feel good going into that game against Texas? Um, I'd like to see more progress on the offense, I guess. I, I don't expect the defense to be able to slow down Oklahoma or Texas very, very often. Um, I, you know, I feel like they're probably going to give up 40 points at least in both of those games. And, hey, if they don't, then that's a bonus. But I feel like Kansas fans probably need to expect that. Um, I do think they'll have a chance to put up some points on Oklahoma. I mean, K-State scored 38. Iowa State scored 30. Texas scored 40, uh, yeah, 45 on them. Uh, even Texas Tech put up 28 points on Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see them move the ball a little bit, maybe score a few touchdowns, maybe instead of losing – you know, 55 to 14, maybe you lose 55 to 28, you know, something like that. Uh, but uh, I, I just like to see more consistency on offense, fewer three and outs, um, sustain a few more drives, uh, you know, uh, just just give the defense a chance, man. That, that's all I want to see over the next, I guess it's three weeks, because you're right, we have the bye between Oklahoma and Texas. So, um, yeah, just I, I just want to see the offense continue to get better. We, you know, we had high expectations, maybe unfairly, for Brent Dearman this year, but um, – uh, the offense has just been a complete train wreck. They're in the bottom 10 in yards per play, and uh, it, it's just been uh, it, it's just been bad all year long. And they they have they have a chance in in these last four games to to turn that around a little bit. And and I think that's what we need to look for. Yeah, I'm I'm going to admit I think everyone, including myself, who expected a lot more out of Brent Dearman this year, didn't really account for just how much they were losing on the offensive line which we really showed up with Akima Denajai and, uh, uh, oh gosh, I keep doing that. I keep forgetting the other guy's name um, <laughs> that ended up leaving. But, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, like they lost a lot of talent on the offensive line and we're seeing just how much they actually lost and how, how much their work there was to do with that offensive line of, of, you know, all the young guys that were coming in. And so, you know, I, I said this probably three or four weeks ago, like, we were going to continue to see them as they kind of settled in. That's where we're going to see the opportunity for improvement. And, you know, and like I said earlier in this episode, like we're now finally, I think going to be able to evaluate again, whether Brent Dearman is be able to continue what he was doing last year. Um, because last year they had a lot of, a lot of good pieces for him to be able to step into and take advantage of that. They just don't have this year. And now you're starting to see things kind of pick up. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we all talked about how COVID was going to make this a crazy year and it's going to be hard to kind of evaluate everything. Um, and that that holds doubly true when you're, you know, losing integral pieces of your offense and don't have the opportunity to really replace them and really, you know, get them what they need to do to be able to step up. So I'm definitely looking forward to the next few weeks. I honestly, as crazy as it sounds, I think I think how Kansas performs against Texas is going to be the best barometer because Texas has a very bad habit of playing down to their competition no matter how bad they are. And so if Kansas can get stuff moving, that means that stuff is, you know, that like that's a, that's a very, very positive sign. Um, even if they don't win that game, like I fully expect them to. <laughs> um, you know, I, I still think that we can learn a lot. We can see a lot of really good progress, no matter how bad Texas actually ends up being by the end of the year. So, yeah, all right, Mike, any, any other final thoughts you want to leave us with for the night? 
Um, yeah, I'd like to introduce a new segment called What's Coastal Carolina Up To? And uh, just for, uh, you know, just, just, just to remind everyone where we came from back on September 12th when we thought that was going to be a bad loss, um, the Chanticleers are now 6-0, ranked number 20th in the country, and have won their six games by an average of 22 points. So uh, Chanticleers for Final Four. Here we go. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say 20th in the country? Because last I looked, they were ranked 15th. Oh, 15th. Which, oh, which, yeah, you're right. They moved up actually, five spots. Yeah. Yes, they moved yeah, up five spots in the, in the most recent poll. You know what that means, right? You're correct. They I'm are the highest-ranked opponent that Kansas has played so far this year. Oh, take that, Oklahoma. So, oh, I'm sorry. It depends on – oh, never mind. Uh, wow, that's weird because for some reason I was seeing that Oklahoma State was 16, but they're actually 14, which means Oklahoma State is the highest-ranked opponent we've played this year, but barely. Ah, so Coastal Carolina is right behind when, them. When we played Oklahoma State, they were only ranked 17th. True. But when we played Coastal Carolina, they were not ranked at all. So. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's our measuring stick. But it's crazy because, like, go. You know, I've been joking around saying that Coastal Carolina is the new Big 12 overlords. And, I mean, they're ranked up there with all the, you know, top teams in the Big 12 right now. So, it's really not that out of the realm of, you know, of, of uh, possibility there that Coastal Carolina, if they played in the Big 12, they very well may be a middle-of-the-road team at worst because they look like a really good football team. Not just a team that beat Kansas and, you know, springboarded there. They actually look like a really good football team this year. Yeah, they just won their last game 51 to nothing. So, and it was against uh, Georgia State, but still. Granted, it was team Georgia Southern. <laughs> or Southern. Oh, it was Georgia Southern. I was Georgia State. Okay. Am I getting my GSUs you know, mixed up? Yeah, it was Georgia Southern. Um, not a very good team, but it's still, you know, the fact oh, that no, they no, took no, a bad no. team they, and really put them away. No, I, no I was right. It was Georgia State. They beat Georgia Southern the week before. Oh, wow. I'm mixing up my Coastal Carolina. Weeks. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Nice. But still, I mean, it's one yeah. of those things. They are, <laughs> they are destroying the bad teams that they should be destroying. Um, right. And, hey, no, you know, Kansas are. hung tough with them in the, in, the, in the first game of the year. So maybe it's not as bad as we think it is. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. Positive. Maybe it's not as bad as – Kansas football, not as bad as you think. Yeah, there we go. That is, that is the <laughs> new slogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Mike. Thank you so much mark. for joining Not me. Not as bad as you think, question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll probably have to add that in. So, all right. Well, <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast and you can subscribe to us there so you get every episode as soon as it drops. Um, if you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, we'd absolutely appreciate it. If for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter right now. The best way to do that is still my personal Twitter at AndyMitz12. Um, also, because we're on Anchor, you can leave us a voicemail. I'm still waiting for that second one to come in. Um, you know, I, I want to get your guys' questions, your, your thoughts that we can react to here on the podcast. So if you go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, you can leave us a voicemail there. We can bring it onto the show and you can be a part of the show. So, but that'll do it for us tonight. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.